Hello, this is Jesse Weiler with Adoramus Bulletin. Shortly before Christmas, I sat down with Dr. Marcel Brown to talk about a recent article he wrote for us titled Mass, Markets, and the Economy of Salvation. In it, he talks about how we as a culture tend to celebrate Christmas too early. And I wanted to know how to properly celebrate Christmas once it actually arrives. So without further ado, an interview with Dr. Marcel Brown. I am here with Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown, thank you for taking time to sit and chat with me about the importance of liturgical time, liturgical Christmas time. Uh, would you just uh, share a little bit about yourself and your affiliation so that our audience has a better idea of who you are? Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today, Jesse. Really appreciate the invitation. So, uh, yeah, my name is Dr. Marcel Brown, and I serve as the dean and uh, as a tutor for the Alquin Institute for Catholic Culture. We are an initiative of Bishop David Condrela under the auspices of the Chancery Office in the Diocese of Tulsa and Eastern Oklahoma. Uh, we are kind of a new institute. We're about two years old as of this coming January 2020. Uh, we were specifically founded to form the leadership of the diocese to provide ongoing formation opportunities for diocesan leadership. And that especially means all of the directors of religious education, the principals and the teachers in the parochial school system and uh, leaders in general. And really, we have three ways of coming at this whole, uh, you know, uh, unwieldy challenge of engaging in that formation, and that is to begin always with friendship as our first principle and a return to the sources of our shared faith in Christ and in the Catholic Church. And uh, finally, the cultural ramifications of what we find when we enter into dialogue as friends about the sources. That sounds amazing. And it also sounds like very much needed as well. Yes, here and, and everywhere I found. So I'm very excited to be part of it. Well, I, I'm very excited to talk to you about briefly about the article that you wrote um, about celebrating Christmas prematurely, because I, I read this and it really struck a chord with me because you put words to a problem that I've had for the last four or five years. And that is, how do I postpone my celebration of Christmas when it seems like the culture and, and America in general wants to keep moving Christmas closer and closer to Thanksgiving and Halloween and and how do I stay in touch with liturgical time as I do that and your your article that you recently wrote titled Mass Markets and the Economy of Salvation I thought was fantastic so I'm going to link that into the show notes here but um, can you give me just a brief rundown of of that article and the points that you think are important to make before Christmas some of the things to to consider yeah, the central challenge I'm taking up in that article is that the world is always pulling us in a different direction uh, from Holy Mother Church. And I, I wish it were otherwise. I mean, it's not a law. The world doesn't have to do things that way, but the world just tends to do things that way. And so in that particular article, what I'm looking at are the ways in which the world defines Christmas uh, as roughly taking place between the, the, the uh, kind of 
you know, festive gathering of Thanksgiving, uh, which is a, a mostly secular feast. Um, it There are a lot of things out there about the Catholic roots of that feast, which might be an article for next year. But, um, you know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas is really when the world tends to celebrate Christmas. And then what happens is, uh, you know, December 26th, the world just completely drops the Christmas thing. They, you know, all retailers just, you know, make an effort to liquidate all of their Christmas uh, merchandise. And then they're on to the next secularized Catholic celebration. That's St. Valentine's Day, right? Mm-hmm. So just being a Catholic and being in the world, but not of the world, I am always, every year I find this kind of sadness Uh, during the 12 days of Christmas, when we who are Catholic, who are really listening intently to Holy Mother Church and what she teaches us through the sacred liturgy, uh, we are celebrating Christmas, but the world has already forgotten that Christ just came, like, you know, December 25th. So um, that's really what I'm taking up there is, uh, you know, the ramifications of not preparing as the church would like us to prepare uh, by recalling especially the last things. And you might, you might say the threefold coming of Christ, right? Christ right. Uh, has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. I, I mean, I can think of no better uh, sign of this than the fact that as of right now, if I wanted to, I don't think I could actually buy a Christmas tree because I think they're all gone. Even at the <laughs> even at the churches that uh-huh. sell them for fundraisers, they're they're all locked up now. There's no there's no more real trees left. And so, I, if I wanted to do that, if I wanted to kind of incorporate liturgical time and Christmas time into my celebration, and let's say get a Christmas tree on Christmas Day and use that to celebrate. I mean, I don't know that I could even do that. I know exactly your struggle. I won't name the name of the business, but um, I used to live closer to Oklahoma City. Now my family and I are in Tulsa. But uh, some years back, we had a tradition of trying to get our Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. And um, there was a business in Oklahoma City that uh, maybe two or three years in a row gave it to us for free because we were coming on Christmas Eve and they knew that they were just going to throw the Christmas trees in the trash December 26th. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying. And, you know, again, the world is completely out of step with the rhythm of liturgical time. And I know that we're, you know, pretty close to Christmas right now, but and so there's not really much that we can do practically to to keep this in our mindset right now because we are actually we're in the O antiphons already we're already preparing for Christmas here but there's this other portion so we have this advent time which is this time of hope and preparation but then we also have this you know Christmas octave or like 12 days of Christmas and and we actually have the thing that we're celebrating uh, what what can we be doing and what should we be looking to in this time, you know, Christmas and beyond, to really lock into this message? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Um, I think, you know, it all starts with uh, sacred liturgy. It all, it all starts with the Mass. And just listening to what Holy Mother Church is trying to teach us in the cycle of readings that begin on December 26th and take us um, for this season, uh, January 5th will be the day of the Epiphany. So just the, looking at the 12 days of Christmas and the readings that are presented to us, uh, you know, the Gospels especially, but really all of the readings of the Sacred Liturgy and the prayers that are said as part of those liturgies, 
you know, just listening intently, what is Holy Mother Church trying to tell us? And we have a whole number of feasts that are celebrated in that window. And, you know, the church does not do these things by accident. It is no accident that we go from the feast of uh, St. Stephen, the martyr, to John the Apostle, to uh, the Feast of the Holy Innocents and the Holy Family. So I think that listening to Holy Mother Church as she presents this cycle of feasts to us is one of the most important things that we can do. And there are a number of ways we can do that, right? We can attend daily Mass during the octave. Uh, This is a time of year when people have a whole lot of time off. um, And, you know, they they use it as time to spend with family as well they should. But, uh, you know, praying as a family is one of those things that's very important for us to do as Christians and as Catholics. So I think that, you know, beginning with the readings and then, uh, you know, going from there is probably the the best way to tap into the real spirit of the 12 days of Christmas. And as you mentioned, the octave of Christmas. What I, this is something I think you would be able to speak upon because I'm, I'm not quite sure where this is going myself. But we know that our culture wants to start celebrating Christmas earlier and earlier and expanding it. But what is where is our culture going in terms of Christmas time itself? You know, where do you think we're headed as a culture for, you know, these, you know, Christmas octave? Are we trying to now get rid of like people take their lights down or, you know, that type of stuff? Are we heading in that direction where we're just bumping everything? Or do you see it more as like Christmas is being expanded on both sides? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. I do, I do not see Christmas being expanded on both sides. And I think your question gets right to the heart of the crisis that's facing Christians that's actually spoken about, uh, for example, in the, the conflict that you see between St. Stephen and his own community, right? What does he get for confessing Christ? A sentence of stoning. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this is one of those things that we as Catholics have to be very mindful of. Um, I, I look actually to Halloween as a kind of predictor of where these things are going. And I'm not sure uh, if, if you're familiar with the debate about whether Halloween should be moved, but apparently a petition was circulated uh, this past year and got 150,000 signatures. And the petition, I did read that, yes. the petition there is to get Halloween renamed National Trick or Treat Day and relocated to, I think, the Saturday, uh, the last Saturday of October. So really what you're seeing in that movement is, um, and I, I hate to put it this way or think about it this way, but I really think it's big business muscling out the, um, you know, the liturgical meaning of Halloween, attempting to secularize in order for marketing to go a little bit more smoothly for them. A similar thing is happening with Thanksgiving. People have talked about renaming Thanksgiving. And so the thing that really concerns me to see uh, or to really imagine is the idea that, uh, you know, Christmas at some point is going to be completely secularized by being renamed and who knows, re- uh, relocated to like the nearest Sunday, uh, you know, because like, for example, where I work, um, you know, because of where Christmas falls this year, right on a Wednesday, uh, we're going to get a little bit more time off than I think we would usually get. And I think that whenever you, whenever a thing like that happens, business says, Time is money. I'm losing time. Therefore, I'm losing money. Let's relocate to a weekend. So I I really think that these are some of the pressures, you know, secularization and, you know, commercialization and consumerism are all uh, influencing this uh, this particular cycle of feasts. 
But you do have occasions where it's the opposite, and and I speak, of course, of the time of Lent, where all of a sudden you see all these fish sandwiches coming out. Mm. Um, so <laughs> there, are, I think there are times where it does both. But that concerns me if if we're going to move to something like the winter holiday or something, and and just totally you know remove Christmas in and of itself, or or make it convenient for ourselves. And so that brings me to to my final question and point, which is how do we how do we be a counterculture? How do we uh, uh, rebel against this? How do we actually face this head on and do something about it as Catholics? Yeah, so I think that the one of the most important things for us to do always and everywhere is to think about the good to be done and the evil to be avoided and to listen to Holy Mother Church in the sacred liturgy in what she is telling us is specifically the good to be done, the evil to be avoided. And when you look at the readings for the 12 days of Christmas, one of the things that is very important thematically is the theme of confessing Christ. And we see that not only with St. Stephen, uh, we also see that with, uh, say, Anna the prophetess. And uh, when we come to the Magi, um, St. John the Baptist, the readings that kind of take us towards the feast of the baptism of the Lord, uh, confessing Christ for Andrew and Peter, kind of getting closer towards Epiphany, that theme of confessing Christ is something which is, by its very nature, counter-cultural. Another thing that's spoken about in the readings, particularly for uh, December 31st, so the last day of our calendar year, uh, the reading begins, children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that the Antichrist was coming, so now many Antichrists have appeared. And then that term Antichrist gets defined in a later reading, uh, kind of getting closer towards Epiphany. And the liturgy really defines that term as anyone who denies Christ. So I think for us as Christians, as Catholics, one of the most important things for us to be doing in this time is to be confessing our faith in our Lord and to be living out that witness of joyous celebration at his birth. And I think that, 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 you know, when you get down to the practicalities of it, it, I know that that sounds all very, um, I don't know, well, how do you do that, right? Uh, Do you want me to get on a soapbox in Central Park? Uh, You know, you can confess Christ in so many ways. And I think, you know, again, if we just look back to like the example of the Holy Family and the readings that are presented to us on the Feast of the Holy Family, uh, for me and for my family, this is one of those that's central. In the second reading, which is from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, we are told to exercise heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience over all of these love. And then we are exhorted in that reading to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly as in all wisdom we teach and admonish one another, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So for us here in my own community, one of the things that we've planned is for January 1st, the uh, culmination of the octave of Christmas and the solemnity of Mary, Mother of God. It's also a, it also happens to be a national holiday, so a lot of people have that day off. Uh, not everyone, but most people that, that uh, I know. So we have all kind of orchestrated to have one big party uh, on that day. Uh, It's a four to seven, so it's a a three-hour-long party. And at that celebration, we're going to have prayers. We're going to be singing Christmas carols. We're going to be, uh, you know, reading brief readings that reflect on the solemnity uh, of 
the Christmas season and the place of Mary, mother of God in the cycle of feasts and then looking to the epiphany. And of course, Christmas carols bring up all those same kinds of topics and subjects. So we as a community are going to get together in festive celebration. We're going to sing, we're going to dance, and it's going to be a grand old time. And I really think that you know, that kind of joyous Merry witness really gives new meaning to the phrase Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you're able to show that much more than, than you tell it. There was a group of friends of mine that I saw on Facebook that, that celebrated the liturgical New Year. And so they stayed up till, till midnight right before uh, Advent started <laughs> so that they could celebrate the new liturgical year. That and is fantastic. Think, and I think that, you know, there's lots of ways in which we can do that. And, and the thread, the common thread between the articles that you've written and, and what you've been saying today is this idea of liturgical time. And if we really conform ourselves, our lives to Christ— then we conform ourselves to to his time. And if we celebrate liturgical time properly, whether it's Liturgy of the Hours or the liturgical calendar, you know, the entire year or, you know, all three years that we celebrate in the, in the lectionary, we can really see how our faith ebbs and flows and how we can gradually start to conform ourselves more towards Christ in different ways. And there's lots of ways in which you can do that. You do it through vestments, you do it through different antiphons and celebrating different feasts and solemnities. And I think, you know, making that more domestic in your your own families is such a good way to to battle that culture. And and that party that you're talking about, that, that sounds amazing because it's not only a way to celebrate who we are, but it's also a, a way for people to encounter the Christian faith as well outside. Absolutely, yeah. And we're really hoping that uh, as this grows, this will be our second year doing this. And we're hoping that as this event becomes a, a kind of annual thing, that we're going to begin to draw in uh, not only people from parishes across the diocese, but people who are not necessarily Catholic or not even Christian but they're there to celebrate with us the joy and the merriment of Christmas and the Christmas season. Well, I, I absolutely love this article. Again, I'm going to link it to the show notes. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to future articles that kind of along the same thread. And I'm looking forward to hearing more from you in the future about uh, creating this counterculture, uh, one, one that is more conformed towards Christ rather than, you know, commercialism, you know, as a whole. Yes. Well, I look forward to writing future articles. Always a blessing to join you all at Adoramus Bulletin. I've been a fan for many years, so always a joy, Jesse. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Brown. Yeah, thank you.